0: Teaching is hard. Teaching is one of the hardest professions, and and I'm saying that as a former teacher. They need to be paid more, they need more respect, they need everything. Like You can have your site go down in production, it feels nothing like the first week of school. That stress is unbelievable. As educators, it is your job to get your pupils, your students, whatever you want to call them,
1: engaged. If you're not engaging them, you're failing. Hopefully I pronounced that right. It's not Trost or Trost. I should have asked that before.
0: I'm cool either way, man. But uh, Trost, like toast, is the mnemonic I use. But honestly, uh, I've got friends who I've known for five years who still call me Trost. I don't <laughs> I don't correct anybody unless they ask. It's fine.
1: Awesome. And uh, everybody call me B-Dougie and not B-Dougie.
0: Oh, people say <laughs> I, I Dougie? Do. <laughs> oh, no.
1: It depends on the uh, what <laughs> origin of country you're from. <laughs> if you've never heard the hard O-U-G. That makes sense. <laughs> but uh, I did want to ask... Sort of like your background, who you are, and uh, what you do.
0: Yeah, cool. So I am uh, currently a developer experience engineer at Prismic. Before that, I was a front-end developer at an agency and a couple of SaaS companies as well around here in the New Haven area. I was an elementary school teacher before that, uh, a designer before that, and a little baby boy before that. So there's my life story in just like 30 seconds. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I sum it up quick. Not a lot happened uh, in those years, so don't even worry about it. I currently uh, I write a newsletter and a blog called Front End Horse, where we kind of learn from fantastic creative developers and uh, mix in some ridiculous horse puns and just kind of have fun with it. And I do a couple of streaming shows with creative developers right now. And that's kind of been a, a part of the new job at Prismic. I've only been working here for a bit over a month, but it's oh, been a wow. great time so far. And I got some great stuff planned. Yeah.
1: Congrats. Thanks. So, real quick, I got to ask you were an elementary school teacher? Yes. So, what brought you into? Well, I guess first design, and then eventually development.
0: Yeah. So, well, the design came before elementary school teaching. Um, design was like out of high school. I'm just like, I love messing with Photoshop and making things, and I, I love like just the world of design. I think it's so cool. It's one of the coolest things that anyone can do is just like create an awesome. Like book cover, I, I don't know. Like designing posters and websites, all that stuff. To me, like making a logo is like next level skill. It's just one of the coolest things, in my opinion. But I never thought I could draw, so I'm like, I can't actually do this for a career. Got to bounce, got to try something else. Um, really loved working with kids and teaching, and just kind of seeing like kids learn. I was actually teaching swim lessons and watching a kid go from like terrified in the pool to like swimming across that pool was like the biggest like, oh my God, this is just so addictive to watch light bulbs go off in people. And yeah, I, I like to have fun. I'm a goofy guy in general. I still carry that through to like my blog where I'm doing horse puns and stuff. So yeah, like working with kids has always been kind of something that I love to do. But teaching in America has a lot of um requirements with standardized testing and lots of other things like that that really just make it not so much about you working with a child, but Lots of politics, lots of just chasing test scores and not seeing the kid as a kid, but more as like a a number. And it's not a great experience. But while I was teaching, um, we had a ton of data. I realized this is data that I can actually use only if a computer first processes it. So learned programming in order to work with that data. So I learned Python and Django and made a web app for the teachers in the school to use so that we could process these ridiculous, like thousands of data points on one kid. I can't read through that and understand what to teach this child, but a computer can. So uh, learned programming, got hooked on it, kept adding features, like adding stickers that the kids could unlock if they worked more on the computers, and just kept throwing feature and feature and feature. And I'm like, this is what I want to be doing. This is, And so it kind of tied in my design from before, front-end programming and development. And yeah, so I kind of still like to teach and do design and now programming kind of like all bundled into one with this new job it's pretty perfect
1: yeah that is excellent also 100% unfortunate about the whole uh, public school teaching in America my kid who's in he's actually reading a book right now and I told him he can do the iPad instead of come up here and bother me uh, which yeah <laughs> I'm a great father but no, what I'm perfect. getting at is uh, in a couple of weeks we're actually we're gonna be opening up our uh, our school our school's going back um, and the decision was to push it out another three weeks from the rest of the state. Okay. And that state being California. And the pushback that I mean, talk about politics, like having empathy about for the teachers of like just getting your classroom ready and like for kids after not doing teaching in a classroom the entire year, or, or even like what that looks like. Because yeah, again, we there are some schools that are open in the US, but the school has not been open. So like there's a lot of onboarding also in addition I know my child's teacher has kids. So, like, yeah. all the sort of like the trying to figure out what to do about getting kids back in school for the last month of the school year or a month and a half. I guess I would say it, I was upset. I was very much upset of the response of not having empathy for the teacher themselves. And I do say that coming from a lot of privilege where I can have my kid read a book next to me uh, and then go play on the iPad and I can do a podcast. So, I do have another perspective that maybe it's a perspective that I have this privilege, but uh, heart guts out all the teachers that had to kind of figure it out this year.
0: I appreciate you saying that. And, and like, yeah, this year, last year, can't even imagine, even three, four five years ago, teaching is hard. Teaching is one of the hardest professions. And, and I'm saying that as a former teacher, because, you know, there's nothing in it for me right now. Uh, they need to be paid more. They need more respect. They need everything. They are like you can have your site go down in production. It, it feels nothing like the first week of school. That stress is unbelievable.
1: So, yeah, teachers, God bless you. <laughs> well, all you teachers, uh, what's uh? I was going to say pour one out, but that's the wrong way. Everybody <laughs> take a drink for the teachers. Only on the weekend, yeah. <laughs> I did want to touch on Prismic, though, and find out what is Prismic and also your introduction to, because you said you've only been there a month. So, like, how did you even find this world, this gig?
0: Yeah. So just for starters, Prismic is a headless CMS. And I don't think everyone's familiar with that term or you might have heard that term thrown around. It's a very hot term right now, especially around the Jamstack. And then headless CMS is like a back-end-only content repository that opens up an API and gives you like a nice UI to enter content into. So if you've ever worked with WordPress, it's basically the admin panel of WordPress. And then you can access your data through an API. And so at Prismic, we are really trying to focus on giving a great experience to really two groups of people. One is developers, and the other is like the content editors that in a typical like agency development handoff kind of thing, you know, the developer would, would create the site and then hand it off to a content editor who then goes in, maybe creates pages, edits some blog content, that kind of thing. You can kind of think of them as two different people. A lot of times it's the same person, right? Like If you have your own blog on Prismic, you kind of shift between those two modes and wear both hats. Um, but we want to make sure that both of those um, experiences are as good as possible. So we're kind of taking this approach where you turn your components that you're making in React or Vue or really anything, into a sort of website builder for your content editor so that you can kind of give them these Lego blocks and they can rearrange them, repeat them, do whatever they want with them and put like an image gallery above a content section and just you know mix and match the components that, that you're creating in your framework of choice so that everyone kind of has this great thing. You get to work in, say, you love Next or you love Gatsby. You get to build a site in that. And your content editor gets to work in a really nice, smooth UI where they can rearrange a page and they don't have to call on you to move a section down or to change something around, right? So it's kind of the best of both worlds there.
1: Yeah, as you explain it, I'm like, oh yeah, this makes so much sense. But hopefully, folks, if you're not using a CMS for your blog or your marketing pages, I highly recommend do this because like, I'm so used to operating in this world with the CMS, that I forget how a lot of folks are approaching it with this manner. Because a lot of my blockers, like just getting a blog post out, is when I ship a blog post and I see there's a dependent bot PR, then I'm like, oh, let me go fix that. Oh, I broke my entire blog. Let me go fix this thing. Let me update this thing. Let me rearrange this. Let me make this animate differently. And then at the end of the day, it's like that uh, Malcolm in the Middle. Um,
0: I was just about to say, Brian, are you familiar with the Malcolm <laughs> yes. in the Middle? Go uh, change the light bulb or like the squeaky drawer
1: thing? Yeah, it's exactly that. <laughs> yes. The, the term is yak shaving, uh, which is like the it's hard to shave a yak because there's always so many other things to do. And uh, that's basically what it is when I try to maintain my own blog without having just the tools in place to just ship a blog, like just write content really quickly. So if I'm opening a VS Code and writing Markdown in VS Code, I think that's a, a fine way to write blog posts when you get started, but it's always going to be so much easier to just go to yoursite.com slash admin or whatnot. And so I'm curious, like, how do you interact with Prismic uh, once you've installed it and you have it set up?
0: Yeah. So um, we don't have like a yoursite.com slash admin kind of um, setup, but basically, to start, you sign up for a Prismic account, it's free. And you create a repo, kind of like a GitHub repository. And so this is like your content repository. Gotcha. And then you start creating your custom types, which might be like a page, or you might have a blog post custom type, or you might have like an author custom type. And a custom type is just a custom type of data, right? So you just get to define that structure and and what that is. Yeah. Um, So like an author type might have a couple of text fields. Okay. So like a name and maybe a username. And then it might have like an image field like for an avatar, right? Just as an example. And so you define that. And then basically we give you an API endpoint from which you can hit your repository and request data using GraphQL or REST. We kind of expose both. And then we have kits. We have uh, JavaScript libraries for React, for Vue. Uh, we've got a module for Nuxt, a plugin for Gatsby to make that really easy to bring in, uh, and some great guides for how to get your content either dynamically or statically with Next.js. And then, yeah, you, you build your components out in your framework of choice. So if you want to make, a a you know a, let's say, an image gallery, you build that out in React, let's say, and then you link that up to prismic and you're able to choose on which pages your content editors can add that image gallery right so you say uh i want them to be able to add this image gallery on the home page but maybe not on like the contact page or something right so you can select exactly where you want those to be able to show up and then your content editors can go in and add an image gallery wherever they want it and yeah you then go into prismic.io and you log into your account and you're able to start creating content right from the ui
1: Okay, that makes a lot of sense and uh, also sounds amazing. So, I love this project and I love, well, I love Prismic, the idea of it and CMSs. Like, the one example that I have is like, we just learned about your story. I'm super fascinated by your story, but I wanted to get into the actual meat of the product. But I host this this podcast called This Developing Story. I just revived it uh, recently. Yeah. And um, the goal is to, just talk to people, learn about their stories, and then put them out there. Because um, you have a very, very fascinating story, Thanks. and I, I talked to a bunch of other people who have fascinating stories and how they onboard into as developers. The point I'm trying to make is, I am actually powering that through SimpleCast, uh, and SimpleCast it gives me everything I need. Not in the sense of Prismic, where it just gives me an API to consume through GraphQL REST, but it just gives me the data. I don't have to worry about how to upload MP3s to S3. Like it just does that. I pay like 10 or 12 bucks a month. I'm not even sure at this point what it is, but I just want to track all that because I know if I had to manually figure out how to create an endpoint to upload MP3s or images or whatever, I just won't be running a podcast. So I guess with my my question uh, for you is, Images, extra data, like is that all stored in Prismic, or do you have to build your own sort of feature set for that?
0: Yeah. So one of my favorite parts of Prismic is the way that we handle images. A lot of times, especially if you get into something like Gatsby, where you're building it statically, a lot of times images can be kind of your biggest time sock with as you're building, if you just start to get like hundreds of, of images, especially at all the different sizes that you might build out for like a Gatsby fluid image. That gets to be pretty brutal. So, with ImageX, it exposes image transforms that you can just add a couple of things to a query param. And you can say, like, at the end of the URL for your JPEG, right, you just add Q equals 80, and that's 80% quality. And then W equals 300, and that's 300 pixels width. So, just like, really easy API. And that's all included with Prismic. That's not like an additional addition. And one thing that i've seen people do is like you know have a cms and maybe have like their images in cloudinary and then you have to have both pages open and you have to like copy the link from cloudinary and bring it over to your cms or or put it in manually somehow but the fact that it's all like you're uploading the images into prismic and connecting it right there with your custom type but we are using imageix under the hood you don't have to worry about it it's just there for you and you get to use all the features, like they have like face detection. You can zoom in on faces, like like all that good stuff that you see with other like image transform libraries. We provide it out of the box. So that that's
1: really handy. Excellent. So I wanted to take a step back and talk more about your your role at Prismict. and because you, you mentioned you navigated, eventually got yourself into this developer experience engineer. Yeah, it's developer experience, but I mean it's.
0: Kind of synonymous with developer relations or like there's like three or four titles
1: that kind of float around that space, right? Yeah. So is your role if it's developer relations, are you engaging with the users, coming on podcasts, talking about the product, but are you doing some education as well?
0: Yeah. So the title is officially developer experience. And it's still early, you know, in my journey here. Yeah. But right now, yeah, we're kind of defining it because like we're starting to build out the developer experience team at Prismic. And right now, it's kind of, yeah, I'm happy to go on podcasts and talk about Prismic and just kind of help out wherever I can. Like, my personal goal is just to be the person that someone goes to if they have a question about Prismic in terms of like, hey, I'm trying to add it to my blog or I'm trying to spin up a site in Prismic. I'm curious about this or I would love this feature. Like, I kind of want to be like the gateway between the developers who are working on the product who are creating the next features in Prismic or fixing bugs And the developers were out there using it and saying, this is great, this suits my needs, or I'm having trouble with this, or this is confusing, can you help out? And just kind of be that glue between those two roles. But at the same time, like you said, with with education, I'm starting up a couple of streaming shows I have a streaming show where it's not education-related at all. It's hardly development-related, but we're playing (laughs) games with developers every Saturday. Oh, nice. And it's just a blast. We're just inviting fun, friendly developers on to play a hilarious game called Ultimate Chicken Horse. (sighs) And it's just a very beginner-friendly game. It's a silly game, and we just have a ton of fun. (laughs) And then I have a second streaming show called Component Carousel, where we have on uh, the creative developers that I love to learn from, and I just love all of their work. And basically, we build out components based around a theme for the website. So every month, we have a theme for a website. The first theme is taking the very serious, the very almost pretentious world of architecture and architecture firms And making an architecture firm website where that firm only designs and builds bounce houses or like a bouncy castle. So just like an absurd mashup of concepts that the creative developers then get to go off and just like have a blast with. There's lots of fun colors and squishy animations and all that kind of stuff. And so kind of combining those in a way where, yes, they're going to be building components and doing web development, but it's not going to feel like your day job. and It's not going to feel like their day job. So they're coming on, these people are experts in uh, SVG animation or shaders or GreenSock, or 3D or CSS animations. And they come on and they build a funny website component. And then over the course of the month, we build out four components. And that's the website. And then we'll move on to a new theme next month and have four
1: different developers on to build out components. And it's just a fun way to... Uh, yeah, to build sites. Yeah, that's a great idea, and I I'm thinking in my head of like who would be good to have on that in the industry, and I'm maybe you've already had them on, um, but yeah, we should talk uh, offline and yeah, like if you're looking for more guests for the uh, the horse chicken <laughs> game too as well, um, I know a guy who has two thumbs and it's currently pointing at himself.
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, I would love to have you on. It'd be such a blast. Yeah, I'm booking
1: you right after this for sure. <laughs> Excellent. I'm looking forward to it. I love the uh, the creativity that's actually happening currently in the DevRel space. Just in general developer experience. Uh, like we, everybody knows Jason Langstorch, who's yep. been doing his Learn with Jason show for a couple of years now, and uh, a couple other people who've also picked up the torch and started doing content online. Like I love the fact that people are sort of this moving forward despite of us not having conferences and not having the sort of get-togethers and after parties and stuff like that. And uh, your stream sound like an after party. To be quite frank, like I would totally watch that. And for whatever reason, I've never heard of it, but I will definitely subscribe, like and subscribe awesome. as soon as we're done with this call.
0: Perfect, that's great. Yeah, and that's the whole thing is I I wanted to feel like a party. Absolutely, the Saturday show even has like confetti for the the theme in the background, and everything. That's exactly the feel that I'm, I'm going for. So thanks for
1: nailing that for me. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, Exciting. And uh, it it sounds like we're already getting in the picks. So I think we should probably transition uh, from the conversation about your story as well as Prismic. Folks, check out Prismic if you don't already have a CMS. uh, It sounds like it's going to be pretty straightforward to add to your project Use the API. The GraphQL thing is like, I'm a big fan of GraphQL. Uh, And then Next, Gatsby, like where can you go wrong? Nuxt. There's all great frameworks actually plug into. So if you don't mind, Alex, we're going to transition the picks. Uh, these are jam picks, things that we're jamming on, music, food. could be tech-related. It could be random chicken horse games, <laughs> which uh, we should definitely have that link uh, in the show notes too as well. Yeah, because that's my pick, so you nailed it. Well done. Excellent. Well, <laughs> do you want to go ahead and go start with your picks too as well? And uh, if you just a reminder, if you want to add the link to the show notes, so that way Awesome, can... awesome, yeah. So my pick is Ultimate Chicken
0: Horse. Um, it's not at all uh, a thing that I'm paid to endorse or anything, and It's a complete coincidence that my newsletter is called Front End Horse. That's just because .horse is the funniest domain that you can buy, in my opinion. There's no .dog, there's no .cat, but there's .horse. Who jumped to horse? I don't know, but I love it, and so I bought it. So yeah, Front End Horse, not related to Ultimate Chicken Horse. But Ultimate Chicken Horse is a game. It is primarily a co-op game, and you play it with up to four people. And it's available on Mac, PC, Switch, PlayStation, Xbox, all the things. And it's basically like a Mario Maker in the sense that it is the old-school Mario controls. And so it's just like run and jump. Like It's very beginner-friendly. And you and everyone else uh, pick parts to put down to build the level out. So you might put down like a platform or an elevator, or you might put down a crossbow that shoots at people. And so you have to try to get across the level and survive. And if you do, you get points. But if everyone survives, no one gets points. So it has to be like somewhat dangerous. You have to pick off somebody. And so it's just a hilarious, hilarious game. I've never laughed harder playing a video game with people than with Ultimate Chicken Horse. So I uh, can't recommend it enough. And if you want to see uh, someone play it and uh,
1: laugh about it, join us on Saturdays. We're having fun with it. Awesome. I cannot wait to actually check this out. Where are you streaming this at so people can actually watch uh, folks play?
0: Yeah, um, we are streaming uh, twitch.tv slash trostcodes. So it's
1: T-R-O-S-T codes on Twitch. Excellent. Yeah. So I have a pick, and my pick is actually Mr. Beast. Um, y'all probably listening, you're like, Mr. Beast, who is that? Or you're like, why did, would you pick Mr. Beast as a pick? It's a YouTube <laughs> channel. Uh, it's some guy, I guess, kid. I don't know. He's like 20, 21 at this point, but he's been making YouTube videos for like the past seven or eight years. He didn't actually get big until the last two years. And he just did a bunch of, like, anybody on YouTube. Seven eight years ago, you'd doing random stuff. So he got counted to like I think a hundred thousand at one time. He watched Jake Paul's uh, Every Day Bro for twenty four oh, hours, no. which is a music video. That's uh, I'll just say it. It's kind of it's awful, the worst. But it's just like a <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, he just did a bunch of that stuff. And then he finally started getting more adoption subscribers on YouTube, like six, five, six years in. Mind you, he started when he was in high school doing Minecraft wow. videos, and then it expanded and expanded. But he's kind of a testament, and one thing I've I only discovered him um, probably in the last three months, I've knew of him for the past couple of years, but didn't actually watch any of his videos because I assumed it was like Jake Paul or all those other YouTube dudes that are yeah. doing YouTube videos. And like half my age, basically. Yeah, well, half our age. I don't want to assume, Brian. (laughs) Okay, yeah, I mean, I do look good for my age. But what I'm getting at is that for someone who just did a thing because they wanted to do it and just kept doing it over and over again, and then one day people caught on to what he was doing, and then he started constantly reinvesting into his channel. Now he gives away tons of money and buys people houses and gives away cars and stuff like that. And uh, he's just doing it because... I think he was at the point where it's like he didn't really care if anybody watched, and then people started watching. So now he's continuing to capitalize on that. And he's probably doing well. Hired his mom as an accountant for the channel and his friends as YouTube buddies as well. But I bring that up because I I went down a deep, like a rabbit hole of like watching his videos finally. And I was like, oh wow, this I get why people watch his stuff. And then like he just does like all this sort of like capture your attention, tell you to watch the video, but stay till the end to see the sort of the payoff. And just like all stuff that we should be doing as developers in our content as we we stream stuff. Uh, so I've been actually taking of uh, some notes from him and creating content. So if anybody's been watching my YouTube channel, you can notice my YouTube thumbnails and everything has been more clickbaity. I've been having thought-provoking titles because I come from a space where you just throw it up there and like if people want to see it, they'll see it. And that's how I treat my blog. But the biggest difference is like once you start really thinking about like, oh, what would be actually be appealing for someone to click on or how can I ensure this that people won't turn it off right away? So I just started applying that thought to a lot of my videos and I've actually seen quite the difference in people actually <laughs> watching the stuff. So I say that because I a lot of what I learned is this stealing it from other YouTube channels that are not in tech. Cause I find like a lot of the tech YouTubers, including myself, we all kind of just do the same thing where we sit in front of a camera and look at it and then start typing and write some code or just write code or yeah, and there's a little variety that we can add to it. So it sounds like you're doing a lot of variety yourself in the stuff you're approaching.
0: Yeah, I think you you hit on something great there. Just as educators, it is your job to get your pupils your students whatever you want to call them engaged if you're not engaging them you're failing like if i just showed up to my second grade classroom and said all right today we're talking about this and didn't try to hook them didn't try to get their minds going ask them a question start off a lesson with like why do you guys think balloons float right like oh that's a good (laughs) oh i have no idea right like like you want to hook them and so yeah if if you're just showing up and say hey guys today we're we're talking about view and prismic like all right I don't know if uh, I want to watch that,
1: but yeah, yeah. So I think you nailed it. Yeah, I'm going to start my uh, my next video with why do you think balloons float, and uh, yeah. <laughs> you'll know. You'll I'll wait for your like and your your thumbs up on that. I really hope your audience knows. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, with that being said, thanks for the conversation, Alex. Thanks for all the the tips uh, and the tricks in the the game as well. It was a pleasure. And uh, listeners, keep spreading the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio. To learn more about Heavybit, visit heavybit.com. And while you're there, check out their library. It's packed with amazing talks on sales, marketing, product, and general management from founders of developer tools companies and other industry leaders.